Hello and welcome to another Tales, Tales of, of Tormented Space. No, now you got it wrong, not me. <laughs> this time you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Hello, everyone. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And we're doing another licensed Farscape Ooh, another, another magazine. Have, yes. Oh, 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 oh. oh, God. Oh, this is a very hefty issue. It feels yeah. thicker than the other ones that I've had. And I'm just like, that's just from the uh, from the look and feel. So we have, in, I have in front of me here, a giant 100-page... Oh, it says so right at the top. Yeah, it's a bumper issue. New info on Season 4, free giant-sized poster with a great crew shot of John with the ladies of uh, Moya. That shot is so awesome. Yes. He's, he's like a... I don't know, like a hyena on his throne surrounded by lionesses. <laughs> they're protecting and, and endangering him yes, at the same time. They're looking at you like, oh, who are you and what are you coming to do here? Yeah. And a little gunshot in the top corner. Oh, is there? Oh, well, yeah, just like... Oh, oh, with the, the girls handling their guns. Yes. And uh, John with Winona, of course. Mm, it's a villain special with Scorpion, Natira and loads. Oh, Natira is a villain. She is, isn't she? <laughs> Well, I mean, she was going to eat John's eyes. Well, that's kind of villainy. Oh, when was that? Oh, oh, she she was in charge of the uh, uh, shadow depository at the end of season two. Oh, wait, I'm think uh, I was thinking Granny, not Naranti. Naranti, sorry, why. I got Naranti yes. and Natira. Uh, yeah, 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 I can <laughs> mixed up there. So we have a the Saturn Awards uh, for the series. Uh, yes, they won a second time in a row. Oh, very good. Uh huh. Congratulations to the crew, even though it's 20 years late. Well, it is about 20 years now, isn't it? Getting there, yes. I mean, I thought, weren't you going like, to gonna time it that our last episode coincides with the 20th anniversary or something like that? Oh, you have so much faith in my ability to plan things. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> I mean, you planned this from the start. You figured that, like, including all the greatest hiatus and the season ends episode, we were going to end up at exactly 100 episodes. But How did I? I don't know. I, oh, rem I remember you me. saying about that. It's... Oh, that'll be amazing. I, I hope that when people look at their podcasting device and see the number on there, that they sort of think that that might still be possible. Right, although it's going to get muddled a little bit because of the the fanfics that we're reading. So I don't know if those are included in the... Uh, they're not included in the episode numbers, but I guess they would. I, I don't, don't know. know man. No. I, like, we're just doing this little show, man. It's just for you and me. We're having some fun Fair. together. Yeah. So here we have uh, literally Commandant Cleaverage, as it says here in the... Uh, oh, does it? It is, literally says Commandant Cleaverage right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, John calls her that. Yes. I thought it was Commander, but no, it's Commandant, I guess. I love how you put an extra R in cleavage. A cleavage? Cleaverage, yes. I, suppose. I mean, that sounds more like an axe murderer thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which you wouldn't put past Crazer, honestly. Definitely not, no. Given the, mo uh, given the opportunity and the necessity, she mm -hmm. would definitely be uh, taken to an axe, I guess. Ah, here we have Noranti. Yeah, she gets her own spread as well. Yes. I mean, we've seen her giving... We've seen her doing the full Monty, basically. But, uh, <laughs> Gladly and proudly, as she ought to. Yes. Oh, you see a shot of her as... Um, oh, the, the, the Luxon Orican. Oh, yes. At the beginning of season two. That, that was her uh, as well, yes. Yes, same actress played. Ooh, fantastic shot, that. Ask Tammy... Oh, wow, she does not look at all like I expected her uh, to look without Jewel. her makeup on. Yeah. She's sort of got the same thing going on that Aunt Simcoe has... Right, yes. you have no idea what to expect. And then, oh, yeah, Blonde Surfer. Yeah, that's, that seems about right. Yeah, I can work with that. That uh, makes sense. It's, yeah, it uh, does. I mean, there, like, is there any other kind of people in Australia? Well, other than the, uh, the natives. Yes, of the course. The original natives. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that old 
Manning Magic. Oh, there's a bit about Ricky Manning. I yes, haven't seen that there one. There is, and like, oh, ooh, I like the shot of Zahn in a uh, in a tux, which is from. Oh uh, yes, very good. From and, uh, won't get fooled again. And Erin in her uh, heat getup, in a Scorpius light outfit. Oh yes, yes. When she was suffering from uh, um, uh, Leukathian inflicted yes. heat delirium, and a fantastic shot of our friend uh, Crace with a dog in a police uniform. Yes, Crace still is wearing, wearing the... the police uniform, not the dog. <laughs> this isn't an AI image generation prompt. You don't oh. have to be that specific. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that even an AI prompt at this point would be good enough. I mean, you'd probably have to tell it that the dog with a dog wearing a police uniform. Otherwise, it would You have so much faith in other people's abilities. It's like, not just me, also AIs. I really appreciate your optimism. Eh. I mean, the thing is, like, AI, it's like AI imagery is just, like, dependent on interpretation. It's like, well, let's, well, let's not go there, shall we? Eh, we have many things to say speaking, in the depth of art. And Speaking of surfer dudes, we have... Uh, <laughs> yes. Presumably Harvey in a Hawaiian shirt and uh, with the... You know, the UV makeup over his uh, face, nose over and face. Over his nose. Which, yeah. It's such an amazing look. Yeah, it is. He looks very happy and very like, oh, what's going on here? I've never been uh, here before. A favorite of uh, numerous cosplayers, those particular Mambo shirts by the, uh, I think it was by the lead singer of the band called Mental of Anything. Yeah. They went for a pretty penny there for a while. They're completely impossible to get now. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, Mr. Grunschlick. Uh, so this is all... They're, they're, they're it's a villain special. There's, there's oh, Neftira. Oh, of course, yes. That makes sense, yeah. But there's also... If you keep if you keep scrolling, there's also some... Scrolling. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Analog scrolling. Well, I, tried, I, I tried to pinch to zoom in, but it didn't work. <laughs> oh, I wonder if you've passed it already. There's, there's photos of the first Farscape fan convention in Sydney. Oh. Which is just awesome. Let me see where we have that. Uncharted uh, recommend. It doesn't seem to mention it in the... Uh, oh, dear. Well, I, I found it in my leafing through. Well, you have something to uh, to look forward to, but I think we're focusing today on the story. So we are. there is see. another licensed fan oh, fiction. Here we go. A Farscape short short story by Greg Cox. That sounds like a name we've heard before as well. Yes, Greg Cox has written one of these fictions before Before, that we've read. Yes. Uh, And it is called Home Alone. And it's got like a photo of a picture of a pilot sitting there. So that could be well interesting. Yes, because if you look at that little orange band above, it says this story takes place roughly 600 microns after Scratch and Sniff. Which episode was that? The one with the party planet with the horrible exploitation of oh, young people for their bodily fluids. Right, that one. Being oh, yeah, he was. Drugs. Oh, yes, it's after, like, Pilot had got fed up with them fighting on board and, <laughs> yes. like, decided, like, you boys are out. You out. are, like... <laughs> you are banished. Go play outside. Uh, <laughs> come back after... Come back in two uh, cycles. Uh, sorry, uh, days. Uh, solar wow. days. Sorry, two solar days. That's quite a banishment. I mean, I can see, like... Uh, I mean, a cycle seems like a solar day as well, you know? I know. It's also a cycle. I know. I would have, like, replaced year with something else and used, like, cycle for day. Cycle is much more ambiguous, I suppose. I mean, lots of things happen in cycles. Yeah. So. I mean, some planets might not rotate. True. But they provide with interesting climates. Yes. I mean, a They do all orbit, right? No, you can't not orbit. Yeah, exactly. There's no hovering in space. You're always moving one way or the other. Uh, But yes, a tidal-locked planet would, well, be very hot on one side and very cold on the other. Have a nice little temperate zone in the middle. Mm, Or maybe a very violent one where there are, like, streams of air going rushing from one side to the other. I can imagine that it would not be particularly nice. I mean, 
even then, you know, the, the sun's always at the same spot over the horizon. Great for me as a photographer. True, if, if it's a good one. I mean, if it's rubbish, then it's no bueno. No, that's true, but then you can just zoom with your feet. I suppose, yes. All right, so we are reading Home Alone by Mr. Cox. Yes. Gotcha, Crichton crowed triumphantly as he barged uninvited into the privacy of pilot's control then. You've been holding out on me, old pal. Pilot raised his head in irritation. I thought I had made it quite clear that Moyer and I desired to be left alone for the time being. Uh-uh, not gonna happen. Crichton sat down on the outer lip of pilot's console. Fair's fair, pilot. I gave you the full scoop on your crazy, not to mention slightly embarrassing escapades on that whacked-out beach party planet. <laughs> I think that's our crazy. Yes. Pilot oh. doesn't get out much. No, so very he true. Reads. Very true, very true. <laughs> pilot rolled his eyes at the memory of the narrative Crichton had related in an attempt to explain his and Dargo's abrupt return from Lomo, eight solar days ahead of schedule. You mind explaining to me, Crichton persisted, why there are laser burns on the walls outside? Oh, those, Pilot sighed. He'd hoped that the DRDs had repaired all the damage by now. <laughs> he peered at Crichton and stood, arms folded, clearly determined not to leave until he got some explanation. There would have been time enough to inform Crichton and the others about the incident. That's after, capital letters right yeah, there. After he and Moya had enjoyed several days of uninterrupted peace and quiet. If only they hadn't come back so soon. But then again, if the bipeds had... Uh, but then again, the bipeds had outrageous stories to tell about their recent experiences. Perhaps he could colour his own too. <laughs> well, the human prompted, I'm waiting. Clearly, there was no avoiding the inevitable. If you must know, Pilot began reluctantly, it all started less than an hour after you, Dargo. Chan and Jewel departed for Lomo. <laughs> Moyer's proximity sensors detected the approaching ship almost immediately. At first, Pilot feared that it was the exiled crew returning prematurely from their mandated shore leave. Intolerable, he thought with considerable exasperation. Wow. Ah. Uh. I was really looking forward to having Moya to myself for once. So, Pilot, the Moya sensors detected the approaching ship almost immediately. After what? It's like you can't, like, immediately doesn't just happen. Yes. Yes. Immediately relative to what? Like, they don't <laughs> come out of warp or... No. Well, they might... might they might come over the, over the horizon. Yeah, but yes... Anyway, on closer inspection, however, the smaller ship bore the unmistakable profile of a peacekeeper prowler. Aaron? Pilot wondered hopefully, his ill humour momentarily dispelled by the prospect of seeing his friend again. Is that you? But the sleek prowler refused to answer his repeated hails, instead bearing down on Moya without waiting for permission to board the... Flip the page. Leviathan. Yes, should have guessed that. The prowler came at full speed, giving Moya no time to starburst or take evasive action. A pulse of concentrated quantum radiation momentarily disrupted Moya's defense shield, so that... At the last microt, Pilot was forced to let the accelerating fighter charge into the landing bay rather than risk injuring Moya in a collision. An unsettling tingle of trepidation crept up his spine. Does he have a spine? As the unidentified prowler came to a sudden halt, touching down inside Moya. Somehow I doubt that this is Aaron Sun, Pilot thought. The figure that emerged from the prowler, clad in metallic black body armor, wow. was the right size and shape for a Sebastian female. But the amplified voice booming harshly from the intruder's sealed faceplate bore little resemblance to uh, Aaron's husky tones. Attention, Leviathan! Pilot! Uh, yes. 
Attention, Leviathan pilot. My name is Vox Lyca, and I intend to take control of this vessel. If you are wise, you will offer no resistance. Ooh. A rapid search of Moya's databank can continually updated throughout their travels, revealed that Laika was a professional bounty hunter known to frequent the uncharted territories. Rigel had prudently noted her name and ominous reputation after hearing talk of her in various unsavory locales. Given the frelling price on our heads, he expounded at the time, it pays to know who might come claim it. Wait a sec, Crichton interrupted. You're telling me Sparky actually thought about something besides his ego or his stomach for a moment? <laughs> Pilot chose to overlook the human's rudeness for now. Despite his frequent excesses, Rigel can be quite shrewd when it comes to his own survival. He has not outlived so many enemies by accident. He spoke slowly, as to an inattentive child. If I might continue... Pilot watched via a succession of alert DRDs as Laika briskly entered the landing bay, heading straight for the control den. The bounty hunter had clearly studied Leviathan design, showing no signs of hesitation or confusion as she navigated Moya's intersecting passages. Sort of like those commandos, the Egyptian ones, like they knew exactly where they were going. Yeah. At pilot's command, internal valves swung shut, blocking the invader's path, but not for long. Placing an armored palm against the first such barricade, Laika jolted the valve with a galvanic shock powerful enough to cause the portal to open convulsively. Through the symbiotic connection to Moya, Pilot felt the assault as well. His claw twitched in pain, and an agonized gasp escaped his lips. I don't get it, Crichton said. Why didn't you just take the fight out of Boba Fett by cranking the temperature up, like when those peacekeeper commandos invaded Moya a few cycles back? He clutched his throat, feigning a sudden seizure. <clears throat> you know, bring on a bit of that old Sebastian heat delirium. Pilots needed no reminders, being perfectly capable of recalling that previous incident himself. Naturally, I tried that. Manipulating Moya's thermal condensers, Pilot quickly raised the temperature in the passages to a sweltering degree, while simultaneously attempting to send out an urgent distress call to Crichton, Dargo, and the rest. Suddenly, having a crew of bellicose bipeds aboard did not sound like such a bad idea. <laughs> bellicose, I think, means like warlike. Ooh, probably. I'm not entirely no. sure. I've heard the word before, but I would really have to look it up. Bellum. But, uh, very good, yes. Latin for Yeah, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. Unfortunately, neither of his actions yielded positive results. Although the oppressive heat in the corridor should have incapacitated any sebation, Lyca's march through Moya slackened not a bit. A frosty sheen of condensation appeared on the bounty hunter's armor, suggesting that it boasted a built-in cooling system. At the same time, Pilot discovered that any or all transmissions were being blocked by some manner of jamming device. So much, he concluded, for calling for help. It seemed that Vox Laika's impressive reputation was well-deserved. She had obviously prepared well for this mission. Ah, yeah. They don't mess about. Okay, Crichton said, conceding the bounty hunter's indisputable professionalism. But why didn't you just vend her into space like you did that religious nut job who tried to toast us with solar flares? Pilot realized that Crichton was referring to the late and unlamented Borlick. Once again, he replied in dignity, I tried that. The thunderous whoosh of explosive decompression cleared an entire stretch of corridor of dust and refuse and shedding flecks of Moya's internal lining. Anything not securely mounted in place, including six cubic metras of breathable air. Metras, that's a lot. Is it? How rushed is out it? of... Yes, because the, the full command carrier's um, flak cannons only have a 20 metra range. 
fair. I mean, technically, flat cannons in space have an unlimited range, but... Yes, yes, we, we did sort of delve into that. I was trying not to, like, <laughs> make a little ears twitch again. Let me see. Six cubic metres of breathable air rushed out of the newly opened gap in Moya's hull, dispersing into the empty void of interstellar space. Now, you're right. That seems like unreasonably large amount of air. But on the other hand, like... Um, well, metrons. I think they have metrons as well, which is uh, like a meter. Right. But six cubic meters, it's not that much. No, we couldn't care about six cubic meters, but six cubic metros, if the range of a cannon is measured in like 20 metros is a extreme range, that is presumably in several a times the... space cannon. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. presumably several times the length of Moya. Multiple body lengths, easily. Yeah, so six of that would be a third, that would still probably be more than the volume of cubed. Moya. Yes, exactly. So, no, well, let's just... Let's forgive Mr. Cox about this. Okay. Um, um, uh, uh, oh, no, I've got one more. Pilot waited several dozen microts before sealing the breach with a temporary force field. Oop. Flip. If you hear this sound, flip the page on your... <laughs> <laughs> um, Turn to page 80. Had Laker been vented as well, having carefully evacuated all the DRDs from the now affected region before jettisoning the appropriate hull segment, Pilot had no immediate way to determine whether his gambit had been successful. He and Moya waited tensely as a line of vigilant DRDs took up a defensive position just outside the voided area. Was the threat now completely eliminated? Pilot held his breath, his claws hovering uncertainly over the control panel on his console. Was Moya secure once more? A searing electrical shock emanating from the sealed valve in front of the DRDs raced along the neural tendrils Pilot shared with Moya. To his dismay, the valve open, uh, spasmed open, Ugh. revealing the unwelcome sight of Vox Laika striding out of what should have been her death trap. Ha! Huh, she laughed derisively, her artificially amplified mockery echoing off the walls of the passageway. You'll have to do better than that! An inquisitive DRD scooted forward to scan Lycus' black metal boots. She kicked it away brusquely, but not before Pilot detected a telltale resonance of magnetic inertia boots. Ooh. I've had weeks to prepare, she gloated, yeah. while I waited for your bothersome passengers to leave you and this leviathan alone. <laughs> Carbon dioxide effused from her armor, whose self-contained life support system had evidently protected Lycus from the vacuum of space. Trust me, I've come equipped with everything I need to overcome your meager defenses. <laughs> You're really having her through the scenery, I love it. Perhaps Pilot acknowledged in his den, but I would be remiss in my duty if I don't... Oh, okay, this is confusing with the right. italics. Here we go. Perhaps, Pilot acknowledged in his den, but I would be remiss in my duty if I did not use every means at my disposal to preserve Moya's safety and freedom. He was her pilot, after all. But yes, it, I think there's some quotes missing there in the, mm -hmm. in the previous sentence. Jeez, pilot, Crichton said sympathetically, without sarcasm or facetiousness. That must have been so hard. <laughs> that sounds pretty hairy. I wish we could have been there to help you. Thank you, pilot replied, his annoyance at Crichton's constant interruptions more than a little assuaged by the obvious sincerity of the human's concern. Pilot's voice softened. I confess, I was running out of ideas. Aww. Also, when you hit the word assuaged, I was hoping that you would accidentally say a sausages. <laughs> Pilot felt Moya's fear and apprehension growing by the microt. 
He did his best to reassure her, but their profound communication, far surpassing mere verbal interplay, was too intimate to permit any attempt at deception. He could not hide from her the extent of his own anxiety regarding the bounty hunter's seemingly unstoppable progress. Laker was now then four metros from the entrance to the control uh, den. Only a small army of DRDs stood between her and Pilot's personal sanctuary. For the first time in cycles, a tiny portion of his brain wished that he wasn't permanently joined to Moya, just so that he had the option of fleeing from the relentless invader. He dismissed the thought as unworthy of him. Fire at will, he instructed the DRDs outside. An incandescent barrage of red-hot laser fire assailed Laker, dozens of determined drones valiantly doing their best to repel the intruder. Rays of concentrated photons erupted from the elevated eye stalks of the little mobile mechanisms, targeting the unwelcome <laughs> bounty hunter. Alas, the scarlet beams bounced off the polished black exterior of Laika's armor without leaving so much as a single scorch mark. Special refractive plating, she explained smugly. Plowing through the massed bodies of the DRDs like a peacekeeper command carrier, smashing through an overwhelmed rebel fleet. She's a little prone to monologuing, isn't she? Yeah, she really does sort of love it. Uh, worse She's... yet, oh, sorry. No, it's, I, I just love someone who yells all the things that, that they are and or have. Kamehameha. <laughs> yeah. Worse yet, the deflected beams ricocheted off Laika's armor to strike the walls of the corridor. Cease fire! Pilot ordered immediately before more of Moya's internal plating suffered painful burns. Oof. This is dreadful, the frustrated navigator thought. The lasers harmed Moya more than they did her invader. The obedient DRDs halted their blistering fusillade, permitting Leica to wade through their ranks toward the entrance to the control den. Pilot's orange eyes widened as the bounty hunter stepped through the open portal. What do you want? he demanded. Although, like all Sebastians, Laika was much smaller than Pilot, the bounty hunter did not seem at all intimidated by the other's imposing dimensions. Here's the situation, she mm. said, unhooking a pulse pistol from her hip and aiming it at Pilot. I recently got my hands on some classified peacekeeper intel. <laughs> Seems your partner, Moya, is the only Leviathan in existence capable of breeding Leviathan gunship hybrids. I figure that makes her particularly valuable, so either the PKs or the Scarens. I intend to auction her off to the highest bidder, and you're going to help me, or die right now. Oh. Pilot shared Moya's alarm at Laika's words. Cooperate how, he asked coldly. I will give you the coordinates of the auction site, located in neutral territory, convenient to both the Scarens and face peacekeepers. Face yeah, so maybe it's that, that planet the, with, the, with the sort of face-changing Oh, planet. yes. The girl or, shopping planet. Oh, yes. Uh, you will fly Moya to this destination, or I will kill you and attempt to pilot the Leviathan using the controls in the command tier. Armored shoulder shrugged. It will be easier for you to cooperate, but... <laughs> she left the muzzle of her pulse pistol complete the threat for her. However, as Crichton might have said, Pilot still had one more trick up his scaly exoskeleton. Without warning, he abruptly increased the gravity in the control then to over five times standards. What the yachts? Laika grunted as the hypergravity seized hold of the heavy body armor, yanking her face first onto the floor before she could even fire a single shot. Pilot felt the inexorable pull of the excess gravity as well. His forearm seemed to weigh a couple of sackmans apiece, and he struggled to hold his massive head up. Moreover, magnifying the gravity like this was an arduous task that placed a great deal of strain on Moya's systems. Pilot knew they could only maintain these conditions for perhaps 300 microns at best. But would that be enough? Laika's well-equipped armor had become an unbearable burden, pinning the helpless bounty hunter to the floor. Frail, she croaked. 
her very lungs heart-pressed to draw enough air to speak. As Pilate had hoped, she somehow triggered an emergency release. With a hiss of escaping air, the armor came apart into disconnected segments, allowing... Turn your page when you hear this sound. Lyca to shed her priorities, shell and rise, slowly and laboriously to her feet. Beneath her armor, Lyca wore a skin-tight, sleeveless black bodysuit with a thin metallic dagger strapped to her right thigh. Her auburn hair was cropped close to her skull, while her severe visage held a supervisual resemblance to Aaron's son. A bloodied nose testified to the force with which the gravity spike had pressed her features against the interior of her faceplate. "'Clever!' she hissed at Pilate, smiling cruelly. Using both hands, she managed to lift the ultra-heavy pulse pistol about two-thirds of a metre off the floor. It hung at the end of her arms, pulling them down like the core of a gas giant. "'But not clever enough!' Pilate was impressed, despite himself, by Lyca's strength and perseverance. Step by step, she staggered towards him, fighting the extra G's every henta of the Jeez. way. Jeez! Jeez! Jeez, Wes! <laughs> Sweat streamed down her face, and veins stood out like corvian eels upon her straining biceps as she Wolf. battled to lift her arms high enough to fire the lethal pistol. You're gonna die, Pilate, she promised, and Moya will be mine! "'Never!' he roared in reply. Too late, Lyca realized that she had stumbled too close to the outraged pilot. Exerting himself to the utmost, he raised his upper right arm, grabbing onto Lyca with his enormous pincers. A look of utter shock and horror contorted the bounty hunter's features a microt before pilot snapped her neck. Ooh. <laughs> pilot getting on the... getting all mean and lean. Yeah. Yikes, pilot, Crichton blurted. <laughs> Yikes is right. <laughs> he hastily dismounted the edge of the console and backed away, putting a little extra distance between him and, and the looming navigator. You don't mess around. Vox Lyca was going to enslave Moya, let our enemies turn her into breeding stock, or worse. Pilot looked Crichton squarely in the eyes, his voice as icy as an unopened cryochamber. I have no regrets. Lyca died instantly. Pilot gazed in disgust at the limp, lifeless form in his claws, then disposed of the corpse by dropping it down the steep vertical shaft that connected his neural tendrils to Moya's lower tiers. Leave it to the bats. Yeah. Yeah. The crisis over, he allowed the gravity to drop to a more sustainable level. He sighed in relief as the grueling weight receded, taking a micro or two to enjoy the sensation before directing the DRDs to get to work, cleaning up the mess at the bottom of the shaft. With a little diligence, he resolved, we should have everything tidied up and back to normal before Crichton and the others returned. Little did I know, he observed dryly, that your <laughs> ten-day excursion on Lomo would last a mere forty-eight hours. Hey, I explained about that, Crichton protested. His expression was one of wounded innocence. Don't blame me if you can't handle the truth. He glanced around the control den, stroking his chin thoughtfully. You know, maybe me and Dargo and the girls ought to stick around here for a while, just in case Ms. Home Invasion has any accomplices lurking around. I was afraid of this, Pilot yeah. thought. <laughs> Absolutely not, he started firmly. Vox Leica is well known to have worked alone. In addition, I think I've more than adequately demonstrated that Moy and I are entirely capable of taking care of ourselves. Lifting an arm, <laughs> he contemplated his bony claws. Although I'm accustomed to resolving difficulties via the DRDs and my neural connections to Moya, I must admit that these were, uh, were something. I must admit that there was something uniquely satisfying about resorting to a more hands-on approach. He clicked the pincers for emphasis. Triton gulped. 
maybe you've got a point there. The human conceded. Tell you what, why don't I just uh, give you a little private time? He backed slowly out of the control tent. Think I'll uh, see if Dargal wants to take a spin in the old transport pod. Pilot smiled and knew that Moya was happy too. <laughs> oh, what a story. I kind of love the, the sort of impression that if they hadn't arrived, like, prematurely, they would have never found out about these adventures well, of pilots. other than that there suddenly is an extra prowler in the docking bay. I'm sure he jettisoned that as well. Why would he do that? Just to hide the fact that there was someone there? He must do it all the time. I don't know how much often Moya gets invaded when the crew is not on board, but... Actually, I'd like to... I sort of like to imagine that it happens, like, all the time that they, that they wake up... And they find like a, a bunch of like footprints on the on the floor. What wait, what on happened? The ceiling. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, an emergency trans transmission came in, and I rescued some orphans and I dropped them off at the at the orphanage <laughs> planet. Like, what? Why didn't you wake us? Oh, it didn't seem relevant. <laughs> sort of forgot you were there most of the time. Yes, I mean you were sleeping and uh, didn't want to bother you too much. You all look dead again. You die every day. Do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> and then you come back to life. It's the weirdest thing. Nobody's very, explained it to very, me. You're very noisy when you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Greg Cox is the American editor of the Farscape Novel Program. He is also the author of numerous novels and non-fiction books. Recent novels include Star Trek, The Eugenics Wars, Volumes 1 and 2. And he also wrote the short story Samsara and Les Majestés. We, we read those. Oh, yes. For Farscape magazine. He lives in Oxford, Pennsylvania, and watches Farscape every Friday on Sci-Fi. Oh. Didn't we all? Thanks so much for joining us once again. We'll be uh, diving back into, uh, oh, the... Third part of We're So Screwed. I think that's how it works out. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'll join us again next week for Season 4, Episode 21, La Bomba. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. Bye-bye. Zwei-zwei. Prepare to stop it. Prepare to stop it.